I've had two big moments in swinging revelation wise. And our, my first one was that next morning going, wow, I feel amazing. This is amazing. I'm, I want to do this again and again and again, because I feel awesome. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their funny, sexy, and fascinating stories as they take us on their journey. Sit back, relax, and just accept the fact that your time with us will be spent in an awkward turmoil of laughter and arousal. We should also let you know that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. If that kind of thing offends you, we suggest that you keep listening until it no longer does. If you're under 18, you either need to stop listening or go get your parents and listen as a family. The choice is yours. Enjoy! Hi everyone, welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy. We're your hosts, Emma and Finn, and this is the second episode of our three-episode launch series. It's an extravaganza. (laughs) It is an extravaganza. We have two of our really good friends on today's episode. Their names are Taylor and Ryan, and we met them at Desire. We wanted to thank them real quick for all the support they've given us. You know, they have been willing to bounce ideas back and forth and, you know, wanting, wanting, willing to be the first ones interviewed. So it's been great. They've been awesome. Yeah. From the time that we told them about this, they pretty much jumped right on board, said they wanted to be basically the first ones to get interviewed. They listened to drafts of our other shows, helped us find other people to interview. So they've been super supportive and we just wanted to thank them again and make sure that everybody knows how important that was to us. Yep, exactly. Another thing is that today we're going to cover a few, you're going to hear a few terms, and most people in this swinging lifestyle are familiar with these, but for anybody who's brand new, we just wanted to touch on them real quick. First one is the word lifestyle, and that typically just refers to anybody who is in this swinging world. Yeah, Yeah. or non-monogamy somewhat, but generally more swinging. Yeah, the second one is soft swap versus full swap, and in a broad generalization, that refers to soft swap being things like oral sex, uh, making out, making out, fingering, you know, mm-hmm. manual stimulation, and full swap is typically penis and vagina or full penetrative sex. Penetrative sex of some yeah. sort. Sex of some sort. Yes. Again, that's a great generalization and not doesn't cover everything but that is sort of in the context of what you hear today what that refers to exactly so with that in mind we'll go ahead and jump right into the episode and we'll see you guys on the other side hi we're here via cross-country skype call with two of our really good friends that we met through the swinging lifestyle taylor and ryan and we just, again, we wanted to thank them really quick to their faces for being willing to come on the show and be our first guests without really knowing what they're getting into. So Yeah, we're excited to have you guys. So we're going to have some fun and get started here. To do that, do you guys mind briefly introducing yourselves? Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Taylor. And uh, we are mid-30s couple living in California. Well, it's lovely to meet you both. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what non-monogamy means to you and your relationship and how you approach it together? So we don't like the term swingers that much. 
uh, just because it's kind of a, it's a loaded term. People think of like the seventies and key parties or, or they think of like modern swingers and it being a very, uh, unsafe practice. There's lots of different things that they think of, but, but mostly negative connotations. Yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> and, and so I, I don't love the term, although I think it's probably the most well, succinct term that describes us. It's probably the most accurate. Yeah. So uh, I think the, the, the wordy answers were ethically non-monogamous. We normally play together. Um, I'm heterosexual. I'm bisexual. So even though you don't really love that term, do you find that you guys relate to it the most because you're not looking for other romantic relationships? The dynamic that we are striving for is friends with benefits, friends that we can keep around for a long time and play with multiple times is our ideal. So we're not constantly going out and meeting new people. Yeah, we feel like it's safer and not only safer, but also it just fits us as people too. We're not... We're not anonymous sex people that go to the club and don't even know anybody's name and go to the back room and play. Yeah. Yeah. Physical attraction is great and important to us, but having a mental connection is at least as important for us. Um, And that's one of the things that we've sort of had to figure out over the years is like what the relative importance of those different components are. So it sounds like there was a little bit of a learning curve and maybe some self-discovery along the way. Can you tell us a little bit about what prompted you guys to try it in the first place and how things have evolved since then? Okay, so when Taylor and I met um, in college, we were both virgins, essentially. We had never had sex with other people. We, you know. There was no essentially, we were virgins. Well, okay, well... <laughs> playing oral sex which I don't think you normally do when you talk about the word virgin we were both virgins Um, and uh, we fell in love kind of quickly we were pretty young and uh, but we followed the steps that everyone's supposed to you're supposed to fall in love then you have sex then you get married maybe switching those I don't know (laughs) I think Taylor was more inclined to follow those steps than I was Uh, I, I wasn't like following those steps uh, Taylor was a very monogamous kind of girl, and I wasn't sure what I was, uh, but I knew that I loved her, and that was the deal. So mm-hmm. we we proceeded, and uh, when she graduated uh, college a year ahead of me, uh, and I had a year to sort of decide what I was going to do, and uh, I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her, and so I decided that I was going to propose, and... Uh, but before I decided to propose, there was this part in the back of my head that was saying, you've never had sex with any other girls. Mm-hmm. Like, really going to only have sex with this one girl for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I, mean, I had probably similar feelings, probably not as strong, because I wasn't the one going to propose. <laughs> so I didn't have to, like, work that through. But, you know, at, through our marriage, so we got married and, you know, did the normal marriage thing and at times we kind of would look at each other and like be thinking in the back of our heads I wonder when you're gonna die so I can fuck somebody else (laughs) and I mean in reality we're like man we're gonna be like really old and not be able to have sex anymore and 
you know, you're just j- kind j- of j- just for clarification. <laughs> I think you know, a little bit ahead of herself. That this is sort of something a revelation that we like, you know, really exploring our feelings before we became, we did anything before yeah. we became non-monogamous. Like in retrospect, we realize that we were lying to ourselves when we first got married. You know, I, I had angst about the fact that I had only had sex with one woman and that I never wanted to cheat on her yet. We were in a monogamous relationship and a solution to that problem was swinging. And it's not really that I wanted to become swingers or that I wanted to actually engage in this activity, but I kind of wanted to have an open and honest conversation about the subject. And, uh, so I brought it up and Taylor felt threatened, I think. Absolutely. Um, and so she shut the conversation down and it's not that I was trying to like get us to go to a club or anything. It's just, I wanted it to not be taboo and to have an open and honest conversation. And so I brought up the subject roughly once a year. You know, I, I joke around like which of our friends is the most fuckable or that, <laughs> that, that, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, that wasn't, she wasn't really interested in it. I wasn't and, ready. She wasn't ready, and I was respectful of that, so I waited another year to bring the subject up again. But uh, And taboo subjects are something that, in our relationship, we we always try to have a... We always are willing to have a taboo conversation, but for some reason, this one was a little bit of a roadblock. And we'll talk about almost anything, or basically everything now. Um, but the, the swinging thing was a roadblock that I just couldn't get past. So at one point, um, after our kids were old enough for us to get away for a weekend, um, we talked about what we wanted to do. It's sort of our first weekend away from our young kids. And we debated, um, because this was like a very special moment in our relationship. We had been stuck with kids for years and it's like, we have a break. We want to do something fun. Something, something adult, right? (laughs) Something adult themed. (laughs) Exactly. We're like, we want to be adults for the weekend. We want to think about anything child-related. So we decided to go to Vegas, and uh, we were like, well, do we want to go to a strip club? We, looked, we researched strip clubs and, and you know, just adult activities at Vegas. And uh, I came across a party that was at a dance club, and it seemed pretty innocent. It was, it was a swinger party, but it was just sort of a meet-and-greet, but... Uh, and we, there was like, we fell for that trap ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there was, like, no commitment. Uh, there, it, it, they had wristbands. They had, like, a special area of the dance club for the swingers. So we figured, we'll go and dance. And if we get brave enough to wander into the swinger area, then we'll do that. But, you know, that that's it. And when Taylor was willing to do that, willing to, like, push that boundary... I was kind of shocked. I was like, really? You're okay with this? Okay, let, let's do this very mild thing. But still, it seemed... It seemed monumental at the time. It did. Yeah, so, like, what made you change your mind, Taylor? Um, you know, we had been having a little bit of the... I think a lot of people start this way, a little bit of the bedroom talk of, like, when you're having sex, like, oh, wouldn't you like another cock in this area? Yeah. Or wouldn't you like this to be happening to you at the same time? You know, I think that's really common, and then it gets in your head like, oh, this is actually a possibility, mm-hmm. you know? And I I think our biggest catalyst was 
having little wet blankets in our house, our children. And once they came along for me as a woman, I really had the feeling to be desired again. And when your husband, your husband's required to love you and tell you you're sexy and tell you you're desirable. But after, you know, after having pregnancy and feeling awful about yourself, you just want that again. And swinging was kind of a way to get men's attention again, you know, get, get that affirmation, get that, you know, being lusted after that. And it's powerful when it's not your husband. Yeah. Yeah. So on the night we decided to go to the club, we went to, um, we went to a really cool bar and liquored ourselves, liquored ourselves up. We weren't super drunk, but we weren't definitely couldn't drive. <laughs> so we get to this club and, you know, they give us wristbands and it's off strip. It's like a two towers. I forgot the, the hotel name. Anyway, we went to the top of the hotel and they're like, Oh, you have those wristbands. You can go to this special area. We're like, okay. And it was, <laughs> there was like a big dance floor. It's like outdoors on like a, you know, on the roof of the hotel. And there's a stairway down to this, another deck of the hotel roof. And we're like, oh, look at all these people in line. What is going on? And that was actually a line for the zip line between the two towers. So it was like a whole bunch of vanilla people in the middle of the swinger club area. <laughs> we're like, okay. You know, we thought it was just like the bar line. And we see random little twosome couples all over this deck. And it's a very, besides a huge line for the zip line, there was probably 12 people there. <laughs> You know, some brave couple ended up going to like every couple who was standing far apart on this roof deck and started to bring everybody together. Like, hey, let's all talk over here. Let's all, you know, so we could see them trying to facilitate at least something. And that's when we started talking to everybody. And, you know, there was a few nice couples that we just chatted with. You know, I got my like leg rubbed, which was a huge deal at the time. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, this guy is touching my inner thigh. Holy moly, you know? Before we went, like, our boundaries were like, we're just talking to people. Like, talking to people will be fun. Let's hear what they're doing and see, you know, maybe it's something we're interested in, maybe it's not. So. Basically, we left without having done anything, mm -hmm. but we learned about Cassidy. Um, it was on the wristbands, actually, nice. the, for the party. And, and uh, Taylor said afterwards that she was interested in setting up a profile, which shocked me that she would actually be interested in taking that next step, but she was. I mean, once, once I say okay and yes, I take the reins and push forward. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to be you know, wishy-washy. I'm like, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Let's figure out how let's do it smartly. You know, let's do it the way we want to do it. And th that to be perfectly honest, caught me completely off guard. I did not expect that at all. I, mean, I think it was kind of like a, for 10 years, he hinted once a year <laughs> and, you know, and for me to actually say yes at a point was like shock, you know? Yeah. And so, we started, we set up a profile, we started communicating, and the fact that Taylor was ready to, like, go full steam ahead and, like, meet people, like, yeah, that, that was crazy. Mm -hmm. I still don't believe that that actually happened. I think this is still... Two and a half years ago, it happened. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I'm still dreaming. So I'm curious, on Taylor's behalf, it sounds like after having kids, you were on sort of the same page as Ryan was for the previous 10 years, 
you know, in terms of some of the mindset behind it, but it still took quite a while for you to say yes, that you were interested in doing this. Is it, do you mind talking a little bit about the transition that led up to that point? It was very gradual over a few months, you know, when we were granted that weekend away to until, until we actually went, you know, I think absorbing the information that I could really changed my mind. I, I think a big part of it is that, you know, I, I never was pushing for us to actually act on this fantasy. I, I, I was pushing to make it not taboo, to be able to have a conversation about it. And then Taylor went from it being a taboo conversation to let's act. I think that the reason it was taboo is that she found it threatened. She was afraid of, she was afraid of the subject. Yeah, they took, Ryan had to reassure me a lot in the beginning. Like, because mm-hmm. I, I've always felt that Ryan was a, a catch, you know, he's a good looking guy, super intelligent, you know, he, he's a really great catch. And I felt threatened absolutely that like a, he would fall in love with another woman, that he would find another one more attractive, more interesting, just leave me in the kids, you know, that, that's like, that was so scary. Yeah. And I think it took but w- many, w- many conversations of reassurance that that wasn't going to happen. But I think, I think before non-monogamy, when, when you're in a monogamous mindset, those fears, you're not even able to think through those fears. They just sort of clam you up and make anything that leads to those thoughts a threatening path. And you start trying to like shut down any conversation that's going to lead you down this threatening path. Yeah. So we had to have the scary, we had the scary conversations, the, the, I, you know, you are going to leave me because this woman is gorgeous conversations, you know, and I had to say that out loud, which mm-hmm. is something that you would normally just shut down. You don't say that out loud because that, right. that's a thing to say. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of, you're admitting that fear that you have. Yeah, I'm like revealing my deepest, darkest insecurities. Yeah. You know, some of that you don't even talk, you don't try to reveal your insecurities because it makes you feel weak and it makes you seem unattractive even to your own husband. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be that strong, confident woman that has no issues and no insecurities at all. And to reveal those is very hard. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yes. That's a good word. Yeah. So, so you made a profile and you're yeah. able to cancel your life insurance policies because you weren't trying to kill each other so you could have sex with other people. <laughs> <laughs> After you guys made the profile, how long did it take? I guess what was the transition then from we made a profile to we're going to actually go and meet another couple to to potentially take this to the next level? The early days were fun. It was fun creating a profile for the first time. It was fun sending that first email to a couple. Right. Like when you first sign for Cassie and you're like the new couple and like fresh you're the fresh meat, you get all these like, you know, emails and responses and picture likes and it really charges you. You're like, wow, people actually like us. This is crazy. And, um, it took, it took a couple months for us to like really get, um, a decent email back and forth going on with a couple. Yeah. yeah. For, for us, one of the things that we've noticed through different platforms and different couples. Some couples communicate very with, with broken English or short sentences, and that's fine. I'm not judging them negatively. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and just to clarify, when you say shortened sentences, you're talking about the uh, 
hey, what's up? What are you doing? Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to respond to that. Yeah. Oh, you mean like in a Cassidy message? Or, yeah, it's like an email, like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Blank. No name. No, like, you know, I like enjoyed this about your profile. Like the thing yeah. that you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for us having like an adult conversation was like a really important part of the process. And so when we found a couple that was also sort of new and was willing to have an adult conversation with like proper English and like punctuation, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that turned us on. <laughs> it's funny how words can turn you on more than a picture, but when you're, when you're looking for something very specific, you know, when you're looking for intelligence, it's, well, I, I, and it's it's not only that we were looking for intelligence; it's that having someone that was willing to have a dialogue and be an adult makes the whole process less threatening. Mm-hmm. Like it's scary. The other people were scary to us, and and these people were not scary. They they seem like real humans yeah. versus just bodies or pictures, and someone you could actually get to know and trust potentially. So, you know, after many emails, we decided to exchange actual phone numbers and started texting. And we texted for at least a couple months. They lived a, a distance away from us, about a couple hour drive. A couple hour drive, yeah. And so that made scheduling that and kids made scheduling difficult. And that was our first taste of truly how scheduling and babysitting can kill your sex life swinging. <laughs> or not swinging. Or not swinging. I mean... It, it just made it, I don't know, it makes it more frustrating when sex is involved <laughs> versus just like a game night or a movie night. Right, yeah. Right, yeah, because you can have the kids bopping around in the corner and it's not a big deal. So. Right, right. I was like, oh, bring your kids along. It's not a big deal. But this is something you just can't bring your children along to. No. <laughs> no, we've learned that the hard way, too, that it's probably not good to have kids in the house if you can avoid it. <laughs> um. So we, you know, after a couple months, we finally got that date and we... I think it was a little bit of risky behavior on our part looking back, but we rented an Airbnb kind of halfway between and we decided over text that we were all adults and we, if we didn't have chemistry, it was a two bedroom place that we could totally sleep in separate bedrooms and be totally fine and just be adults about it, mm-hmm. you know? And so we decided we met a, at a wine bar and after the wine bar, we had dinner. And after dinner, we went to the Airbnb. So I'm curious, you know, did you guys have any discussions leading up to this first time uh, on your rules and boundaries for the evening? I'd say like a couple weeks before we'd actually met them, we had the conversation of what full swap versus soft swap meant to us emotionally and to our relationship. And we decided that full swap was For us, it was going to be the same emotional hurt as a soft swap situation. If it had gone wrong, if it was going to go wrong, I was going to feel terrible whether it was soft or full. Yeah, we sort of of felt like the emotional risk was the same. But this, this, we didn't, we didn't come to that conclusion immediately. This was over the course of, you know, several months of texting. We sort of decided that the emotional risk was there. We thought that our relationship was much stronger than we thought. Worst case scenario, we decide this isn't for us. We had given ourselves permission to try it and forgive each other if it wasn't going to work. Full swap or soft swap, just anything. Yeah, we almost forgave each other ahead of time if it wasn't going to work. We're like, we can work through this. Like, like, no matter what, 
we get out the other side. It's, it was either a good idea or a bad idea. We're willing to take the risk because we know we love each other. We know that long-term, this is not going to hurt our relationship. Worst case scenario, it stings and we move, we move past it, but we didn't think that it was going to stay. We didn't, we didn't know, but we didn't think so. Mm-hmm. And this couple knew that we were brands making new and were very gentle with us and me. And they had us make ourselves clear that we were okay with full, you know, we didn't, they wanted, didn't want a wishy-washy answer. They wanted, yes, this is okay. Or no, it's not. And I think that's actually really important advice as you know, we've gone along in our path and we've met new people that were, that we don't push people's boundaries because we started as a full swap couple. Our first experience was full swap. So when we meet new people and they're soft swap, we want to make sure that, you know, we keep to their line. We've, you know, we want to. That being said, we have been old. We've been a little bit on the newbie whisperer side. For some reason, lately, <laughs> like getting, getting couples to push their boundaries. Yeah, we tend to we've pushed. A, I mean, not just new people, but we've tend to push people from soft to full a few times, which is <laughs> an interesting. Experience. So that when we're there, we have to be really, really clear. Yeah, we we we, we just make sure that we're very explicit. Make sure there's consent. Yeah, go real slow. And, and, if, and if, they're, yeah. if they're good with it, we're good with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we had a really crazy, fun, full swap night that first night and hours and hours of sex. And, you know, I, I've had two big moments in swinging revelation wise. And our, my first one was that next morning going, wow, I feel amazing. This is amazing. I'm I want to do this again and again and again because I feel awesome. And I wasn't, that's not something I knew was going to happen. I didn't think I was going to feel that way. I, I honestly thought I was going to feel terrible, but I woke up elated. That's awesome, though. That's amazing. So it went from Taylor not necessarily being sure to Taylor being super happy that this all happened. On the other side, how about... I guess what was on Ryan's half of things that next morning. Yeah, how'd you feel? Um, tired. <laughs> I, I I felt good about it. I was worried about Taylor. I didn't think I was going to have a problem emotionally with the fact that I had just had sex with someone that wasn't my wife, and I didn't have a problem with it. I had a lot of fun, and I didn't really have any emotional concerns. Um. Other than was she okay? And when she was when she had a huge grin on her face, I, I was pretty sure it was fine. It sounded it seemed like she was pretty good with everything. And, um, yeah, the adrenaline rush almost lasted through the morning. Yeah. So you guys spent the weekend with them, right? Uh, just one night, which was interesting that we went for a whole overnight day in our, our very first time. You know that I don't think that's typical, <laughs> right? Well, and you kind of just jumped straight in <laughs> that whole night, just yeah, decided no, we, ahead of time that you were ready to just try it. We we like to say that we dove in the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a good, but, that's a good one. But in the end, we didn't regret it at all. It, it was the right decision for us, and we decided that it was a good fit for us, that, that you know, full swap 
really wasn't any worse than Saw Swap, and it was a lot more fun, and we had a great time. And for me, personally, Full Swap just feels, I mean, penetrative sex just feels better. I've never, ever come from oral sex, which is also unusual for a woman, I think. But, um, so I... I always feel better when I get penetrative sex. It just, the sex is just better for me. Mm-hmm. And so we don't now, we don't necessarily search out only full swap couples. We'll still play with soft swap couples. So have you guys noticed the dynamic change, I guess in the last couple of years since you've explored this in your relationship? A few things. One, um, Taylor has become a much more sexual person over the last few years. Um, we had a totally adequate sex life before, but um, she has become a very sexually charged person, and her sex drive outpaces me to a little bit for, uh, recently. So that that's that's been a huge 360, 180. 180. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. It's okay. 720. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so... Um, that, that, that is one change. The other change I would say is that I think that we've always had very good communication. Like before we started this, our communication was, I think, better than the majority of couples. But I think being in a monogamous relationship, especially in our circumstances, being, you know, our first real sexual partner with each other and being in a monogamous long-term relationship, you're sort of forced to lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're forced to lie saying I'm okay with only having one sexual partner because that is the life I chose to live. And, uh, there's huge societal pressure saying, you know, once you're married, that's it. Oh, definitely. And and so we, we were lying to ourselves and that influenced our communication. So although we were extremely open and honest, I feel like the, the, there's some underlying lies that monogamy forced us into that our communication had to sort of maintain those lies and being able to rid ourselves from those lies has allowed us to have really amazing communication to where I think that we're much more open and honest, like completely honest and truthful with each other about every single intimate little thing. Especially communicating our emotions or wants or needs. Sometimes you in monogamous relationship, at least in ours, we, we protected each other with our words. At points, Ryan and I would see a good-looking person and, you know, we would acknowledge to each other, oh, that's a good-looking person, but we would never, ever say, oh, would you like to have sex with that person? Or would you think that person looks like naked? Like, those are the little things that we wouldn't talk about that we can totally talk about now. I think that in order to maintain a monogamous relationship, at least a traditional monogamous relationship, where you don't talk about those sorts of things. There's certain issues that are triggers that you don't want to talk about something that's going to go down the path of talking about, you know, would you like to have sex with someone? That's not okay in a monogamous relationship to talk about, would you like to have sex with someone? So anything that might lead you down that path, you don't, you don't take a step down that path. You're always aware of that path. Not always, but when you're in those situations. And so you're always censoring yourself. And so you can be open and honest about so many things, but you still don't want to walk down one of those paths that are going to lead to a hurtful question. And 
being able to rid yourself of that has allowed us to... Letting ourselves ask the hurtful questions, the potentially hurtful questions. And not be hurt. And, 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 and know that they're coming from a true curiosity and not a trying, trying to hurt you or being mean about it or not loving you viewpoint. Oh, yeah. So, so I mean, I, I feel like it's almost cliche to say that swinging has improved our communication, especially since I think that we had exceptionally good communication beforehand, but it has made us that much better communicators. It's made us face the tougher, the tougher questions, the tougher subjects. And, you know, it's made us learn our emotions toward it all a little, we can control our emotions a little better. <laughs> if I was going to boil down the whole swinging, swinging experience to one universal piece of advice, and this isn't particularly swing related, um, it's that you should try to get to a point in a relationship where you can communicate honestly about everything. And maybe your partner's not there yet and you'll have to respect your partner's boundaries and not communicate about everything. But if your partner wants to communicate about something that makes you, that makes you uncomfortable, you should try to engage and allow yourself to communicate about that. Work through the uncomfortable parts. Yeah. Um, Don't stop the conversation just because you're uncomfortable. Because although that might be uncomfortable at the time, the benefits on the other side of that conversation far outweigh that momentary discomfort. And that's probably pretty universal with sex or non-sex or any anything within a relationship. Yeah, I think so. I think for, for us, the biggest taboo was absolutely sex because we were each other's only partner before that, that created this huge taboo, but I'm sure there's other issues for other couples and not everyone's relationship can be perfect, but I think that recognizing that not being able to communicate about something is a fault that you can work through and that your relationship will be better if you were able to get rid of that fault. I don't know. That's, that's been our experience. I don't know that that's universal or not. So it obviously seems like your guys' relationship has improved and benefited since you started swinging, which is awesome. But have you guys experienced any hurdles or difficulties that you've had to overcome while you're navigating this? So, so I'm willing to answer that with another benefit to us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat this like an interview question. Uh, what's my greatest weakness? I'm, what? I'm, I'm too good at my job sometimes. Then, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, what's, what's my greatest weakness? Um, swinging has expanded our social relationships. We have more honest and open friends than we've ever had in our lives. Um, vanilla friends. I hate to use the word like that in a derogatory fashion, but um, you know, my best friend. I'm not out to, and I don't talk about sex to him. I don't talk about certain things with, because it could be triggering for his relationship because he's in a monogamous relationship. Um, we don't want to be bad influences and we don't want to be the people that our friends talk about either. Yeah. So swinging has allowed us to cultivate a lot of really amazing friendships with open and honest people that there's no taboo subjects. We, but it's challenging. Here's here's the hard part of swinging. It's challenging to maintain them. It's challenging balancing how much 
you communicate with them, especially after you play and you like them, you know, how you have those, you know, people who are just dating in the normal world, you kind of go, okay, three days. And then I text or, you know, you have these rules. It's like you're dating other people again and you have to figure out, you know, what kind of level of communication they're feeling, what they're, what they thought about the experience, if they want to do it again, you, you run through all these questions as a couple thinking about the other couple. That's exactly where I was going to go with this is that all those social relationships that we've cultivated as amazing, as amazing as they are require a certain amount of social energy to maintain. And there's pitfalls with them. You know, it's, it's just basic, normal social interactions. It's just, there's more of them and they're sort of uh, more active than we've ever had before when we were monogamous. Our, our social relationships were, you know, they're sort of all on the back burner, old college friends that are easy to maintain. You chat with the person every month or something. And now it's, you know, there's a lot more social dynamic to our lives. And it's sometimes hard to juggle all those social relationships. Yeah. And we're not that active. I want to say that. Like, we, we, you know, I think we're similarly active to, to you guys. We, we, we probably play, you know. Three or four a times a day. <laughs> we, our, we're going to need to wrap this up, by the way. We've got a couple of people waiting out. Yes. <laughs> our, our, our goal, I think, is probably playing once a month would be kind of like our ideal situation. And I, along with that, we've, we've learned actually a lot about ourselves, you know, Ryan and I, when we would go to a normal vanilla party, you know, with friends, we thought we were about the same socially. We thought, oh, you know, we, we enjoy talking about the same amount. We enjoy staying around the same amount of time. We thought we were, you know, right exactly in the middle of being extroverts and introverts. And our, um, our first trip to desire when we saw you guys, uh, was super eye-opening that I am a complete extrovert. Ryan is a complete introvert and, you know, social interaction, he can only take so much and social interaction makes me want to have more social interaction and more social interaction. And we've seen that translate that lesson from desire translate to our, you know, our home swinging life and something we have to monitor constantly. One of the pitfalls that we face in our dynamic is that um, Taylor is a very chatty person on her phone. She loves chatting with people and she loves flirting with people via her phone. And uh, I'm a little bit busier than she is with work. And um, I don't have a lot of social energy on a normal work day. I'm usually pretty much at my capacity and, don't really have a lot of energy to, to divert to these sorts of activities. And so that sort of led to imbalances. And we've had couples get upset at us about it. Yeah. 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 We've had couples literally like call us out upset about the fact that we're interacting with them on different levels. Yeah. Like um, one of you is interacting way more than the other. Yeah. Right. And it's something that, that has prompted us to even put it in our profile as a yeah. warning. Yeah, so I mean that's you know. fair. If you put it in your profile, it's out there. If you tell people up front, I mean they know if that's your dynamic. That what's that's what's worked. That that is what works for you guys. 
Right. But it still leads sometimes to hurt feelings. And yeah. I mean, it just goes back to like the social dynamics are a little bit more intense. Um, I think because sex is on the line, that kind of intensifies the friendships. Also the honesty intensifies the friendships. Yeah. Uh, and no, I would so, agree with that completely. Um, so those two factors together, the, the friendships are just a little bit more intense and that means there's a little bit more opportunity for hurt feelings. And I, I, I think, you know, in our regular lives before swinging, our social relationships were so slow and well, so, and you know, surface level and on the, yeah, you don't dive deep on things and mm-hmm. protect people's feelings and everything's just easy to manage. And it's, if you get into a tense situation, it's pretty rare and it's easy to resolve. We're, we're low drama people, but and swinging, we're still low drama people, but the intensity that it brings to the social interactions yeah, it, it's an intensity. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of a funny random question. Do you guys find that your family and friends from before wonder why you guys have more friends now? Because <laughs> that's something I've, we've definitely run into. And, and maybe a, a follow-on question to that that you could wrap onto that is: Are you guys out to anybody in your normal life? And yeah, and if so, what? Well, how did that go? So to answer the first question. We keep things under wraps pretty well, and we have we, we come up with sometimes elaborate excuses for what we're doing with old college friends. I have an old a couple old college friends who are not on social media but live near us that I use as an excuse constantly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to so and so's house. She's having a different party. Yeah, and you can't follow up on that. You can't like find the pictures on Facebook later. Yeah. Um. So. I don't think we've generated that much suspicion. I'm sure maybe a little, but I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's hard I, to judge that from the outside. I, like, it's yeah, it really is. I mean, as, as parents of young children, we don't get out a ton anyway, and we tend to rotate between babysitters. So there's not a ton of questions. Yeah. So, um, Ben, what was your follow-on question? Are you guys out to anybody? And if, uh, if so, how would that, how did that process go in? If it would help, we could contact your parents and ask them. Maybe how the, if, so you know, if have, they're suspicious, we could get that straight from the horse's mouth if that would be easier. We are out to how many people? Two. You, you, you We're we are out to two different people. Um, the first being a college friend of mine who I we adore deeply, and she's probably a forever single woman. As for, as for she's, she's prioritized her career. Her, she's prioritized her career. She's getting older. She doesn't really want to get married or have children. Um, and she visits us um, frequently, probably a couple times a year, which is frequent for California. And one night we just gotten super drunk and in the hot tub and we told her. And that ended up being um, kind of a hot night <laughs> for us because <laughs> she admitted to having you know, been the unicorn before in college with her like roommate and boyfriend. And we've had a, a couple nights with her, um, that, that was kind of a very interesting topic for us because she was a single female and that actually was threatening to me more than a couple. Yeah. And, and have sure. big, I was like, Oh man, a single girl coming in with like no baggage and just that I had to work through more feeling. So, so, so in summary, the first 
uh, person in our vanilla, vanilla monogamous old life that we outed ourselves to, we have had sex with. <laughs> so, the, so the moral of the story <laughs> is... Isn't that what well? So the takeaway is, if you tell your friends, you get to have sex with them. <laughs> you know what? Th- that sounds ridiculous, but it's a little bit more true than I think I would have ever believed. Because... Especially a single friend who's open-minded already. Yeah. You know, there's probably more potential there. (laughs) I I, I think the thing is that sex is such a taboo subject that we tend to think that, oh, this relationship is not sexual. Sex is taboo. We're not going to talk about it. There's no sexual interest here. And you sort of categorize and move on. But really, it's the taboo that made you categorize it. It's not any, like, fundamentals to to the relationship. And so once you take the taboo away, it's like, oh, actually, you know, we find each other attractive. Let's have sex, you know? <laughs> so the second person we're out to is Ryan's brother. And we happened to tell him over a family holiday. And Ryan's brother's always been a super liberal guy. And he was not shocked. And, you know, maybe a little shocked at me, <laughs> but... You know, he wasn't shocked. Ryan and, his, Ryan and his brother don't talk about sex, but I think they do now. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't talk about sex, but it has actually improved our relationship. Because he dates a lot of girls, and now he shares more information. Not, like, that much sexual information, but still, you know, we're brothers. We don't talk about that stuff. But I think he's a little bit more comfortable sharing a little bit more detail than he was before. And he's had his own polyamorous relationships so he he's dived into the world of non-monogamy before so he's a little bit easier for ryan to talk to yeah yeah kind of lowers the barrier of entry a little bit mm-hmm. for sure um taylor at some point you had mentioned you had two kind of aha moments in the swinging world what was your second one if you don't mind sharing well emma um <laughs> you were actually there. (laughs) I may remember this. At my second aha moment. And, you know, before swinging, I had never kissed a girl or touched a girl or, you know, I had never thought about it. I've always found women attractive. And, um, when we played and you offered for me to try on your strap on, I was like, Oh man, Okay, let's do it. Well, to be right. fair, that was only to make sure it was the correct size. <laughs> right, right. And I put that fake cock right in front of me, and I remember offering to sword fight Finn, and it was just, I felt amazing and empowered, and maybe that's society telling men that they feel empowered because they have cocks anyway. And then all of a sudden I have one and I felt cool. Uh Maybe, you know, maybe that was my other aha moment. Like, man, this is amazing. I want to do this more and more and more. Penis power. Just like me. I want to do this more and more and more. Yeah. No, that's a good thing. No, they're fun. The strap-ons are definitely fun. The, you know, I've been I've been lucky enough to introduce several women to it. Yay! <laughs> I'm Although glad I could have a tiny part in that. I always tend to be the giver. You know, I've only I've only received once, and that was from a 
bonafide lesbian, so. <laughs> I've, I have never seen a more enthusiastic giver than, than the, than the first time, than the first time you put that thing on. <laughs> no, I would agree. <laughs> See, aha moment. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, do you guys have any words of advice or tips that you'd like to share with uh, anybody? Other than tell all your single women friends that you're swingers. <laughs> well, I guess more so, too, like sharing with people that, or I guess something that you wish you would have known when you first started. One of my things, I will say from a very male perspective, I was worried going into this, not having a lot of sexual experience outside of Taylor, I was, ex I was concerned, like, am I going to be able to satisfy a woman? It, is it going to be like totally awkward and horrible because, you know, I didn't have enough experience to have confidence. And, um, one of the things that I've learned is that human sexuality is varied. Different women want different things. Uh, different men provide different things and everyone should be comfortable in their own skin. What they provide is valid and awesome and you're not going to have great sexual chemistry with everyone, but that's okay. You are going to have great sexual chemistry with some people and uh, I think that you just sort of have to be comfortable in your own skin and, and own who you are. Yeah, and I've learned recently I've had a, a guy say this to me that it's okay to be a different woman than the woman who's next to you, than you're the person you're having sex with his wife. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, you can moan differently. You can do things differently and that's fun. Yeah. It's well, that's like, part not, of the whole point too, right? Like the whole point is to explore what other people are like. Mm -hmm. Like I, Taylor doesn't particularly like oral sex. And when I go down on her, and I do it mostly for my own pleasure, uh, she likes it very, very intense. And I've learned that most women are the exact opposite. They like it very, very gentle. And that's great, but like every woman is so very, very different that you shouldn't go into any situation expecting... I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's no being great at sex by having a specific technique being good at sex is recognizing that everyone's different and adapting your technique and being flexible and uh going with the flow and it's not that you need to know the solutions beforehand it's it's really just about the attitude that you take with you and um <laughs> that's that, that that's that's sort of what i've i've learned um yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's a, really a swinging story as much as it's a, I've had sex with way more women than the last two years than I've had in the previous. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good lesson. No, yeah. So, so Taylor, what's your one one piece of advice for somebody that's uh, if you were to meet somebody that's just starting to do this and you had to give them one piece of advice? I would say never be afraid to walk away if something doesn't feel right because you know you have to trust your instincts to keep yourself safe and to protect your heart and to protect your spouse yeah yeah absolutely no that's great advice oh oh i have one more thing to say i think one of the biggest 
changes for me personally as a woman was my body positivity toward myself, like really learning to love my own body and not be ashamed of it and not be, you know, constantly covering myself up or constantly, you know, shifting my clothes. You know, I've really learned that women come in all shapes and sizes and every single woman has something sexy about them and every woman has flaws. And that was, sometimes that's hard to see when everybody wears clothes, but when you're walking around naked or with very little clothing, you know, everybody, everybody has something. And I hate that women constantly are judging each other and comparing themselves to each other. Um, but at the same time you, you do it, you know, you just do it and you learn that you don't have to. Yeah. I think I really noticed that when we went to desire and met you guys that first year, like the walking around naked and just seeing everybody else makes you feel like, Oh, this isn't so awkward after all. Everyone is a human being and has a body and there's flaws and great things about everyone. So. And that's kind of the awesome thing about swinging is you, everyone's human. Like (laughs) everyone's humanity becomes much more apparent swinging. You learn about people have different bodies. People have different sexual characteristics. People have different emotional characteristics. We're all just people. We're all very different. But our, our naked selves and our sexual selves is something we don't normally show. And that you, we, we, but we that is a really big part of you. And you know, we normally present our best selves and a, a, just a facet of ourselves. And it kind of masks the diversity of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Swinging kind of unmasks that diversity. Yeah, when, when everyone's clothes are off, it's a kind of a great equalizer. You just kind of, they're all the same all of a sudden, so. Do you guys ever envision that you would close your relationship back up? Or do you, at this point, feel that this will probably be the the way it is moving forward? We've talked about it, um, especially when things are, things are seemed a little challenging. challenging. And we, we've never seriously considered it. Um, since I think because our frequency is so low, we have no problem taking a couple months off. Um, we have no problem, you know, especially over the holidays or if there's a lot of family things going on, just reprioritizing our regular life over it. And, you know, once that couple months of reprioritization come around, we're like, man, I kind of really want to go fuck somebody else now. And then we're like, oh, let's go party. Or, you know, it, it comes in spurts and waves. Sometimes we're going intense for a while and then we have to back off, not because of emotions going on, just because, you know, we live real lives. One, one of our building blocks to our swinging relationship was this concept that either one of us can pull the ripcord, can pull the emergency brake and say, no more, we're stopping. And the other one has to be okay with that. And they can be sad about it for a few days or a few weeks, but they have to move on. And that can't be a horrible thing. And that, that, that's sort of something that we built as a construct to, to give ourselves the safety to explore this. And, um, I could see us getting to a point where we're not interested in swinging because we have, we're too busy, we're too whatever, and swinging's not a priority for us. But that wouldn't really change our dynamic to say that we're not swingers because at some point in the future, we'd probably decide that it was a good idea again and we'd do it again. And, like, and I don't envision 
you know, some of the friendships that we have made are amazing. I don't envision losing those friendships for, you know, a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, they say friends come in um, reasons, seasons, or lifetimes. Have you ever heard that quote? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I feel like some of our swinging relationships are lifetime relationships, lifetimes friends, because they are the most open and honest that we have. Yeah. Like you guys. Just like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, we, our priorities might change, but who we are is not going to change. Our play style might change. Yeah, sure. You know, the way we do it might change, but... We might decide to not have sex with anyone else for a few years someday, but that's not going to change who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we took almost a two-year break, and that definitely didn't change who we were or who we are. <laughs> yeah, we still would say we were swingers, but just because we hadn't been to a party or or swapped with anybody in 10 or 18 months it d- didn't change no longer than that but yeah, yeah didn't change it so no so do you guys have any resources such as books or podcasts that were particularly useful to you guys figuring out the world of swinging and you want to share with our listeners the first website i found was life on the swing set but i read the blog before i started listening to the podcast and you know those podcasts led me to other podcasts, which led me to other podcasts. And I think actually one of our favorite podcasts is Dan Savage's. Um, and it's not, swinging. it's not about swinging. It's about all sorts of non-monogamy and, and, monogamy. and monogamy and all sorts of kink and crazy stuff you've never even heard of. And it's, it's actually pretty entertaining. Um, yeah, I feel like it's an underutilized I feel like everyone in America should listen to Dan Savage. (laughs) Yes, and Savage Love. (laughs) You know, and a bonus for Ryan is that he has a little bit of a political rant in the beginning, so that's always fun. (laughs) Earlier on in the interview, you guys mentioned that you had created a profile on Cassidy to meet other couples. Has that continued to be your primary uh, way to meet people, or do you use other websites? When we were new to this, we got paid accounts on several of the big swing sites. Cassidy is the only account we kept because it has more than what we need and the others just weren't justifying their cost. Cassidy happens to like... Really fit our needs. And it also happens to have the ability of flirting and liking and uh, you can see who's viewing the profile. If you set up a profile on Cassidy... Things sort of have this natural progression where things like you go from you're not even really trying to talk to someone to now you actually have a full email exchange. It sort of just all flows the way they've designed. The it's user pretty. Experience. It's pretty easy to click, flirt, and click. You know, here's my backstage pass, and then right next to there's like, oh, send a message. So it's pretty easy like progression. Or if you like someone's picture, you they see that you liked it, so yeah. they'll like yeah. they they like a picture back and. It's just a very natural flow to it that um, when we experimented with other websites, we uh, didn't find that natural progression. We didn't find the same number of people. There's more people on Cassidy than most of the other websites, at least in our area. So, Cool. Well, thanks for being on tonight. We really enjoyed talking to you guys. Well, more importantly, for being our very first guest. Yeah. First guest. It was it was wonderful meeting you guys for the very first time. (laughs) 
we'll, we'll have to think about keeping in touch. <laughs> this was awesome. This was really fun. Okay. All right, guys. Well, have a great evening. Yeah, good night. <laughs> good night. Well, I'll have to admit that I completely forgot about Taylor's second aha moment <laughs> until she started telling the story. Well, I have not forgotten that moment. Well, I did not forget it. <laughs> I just <laughs> forgot that that was her second aha moment. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was most definitely fun. And probably the best part was because she jumped into you, I didn't have to sword fight her. <laughs> That's true. Well, we really wanted to thank Taylor and Ryan for being willing again to come on this first episode and share their story and just being so supportive throughout this journey. Yeah, and during this episode, there was a few resources that were mentioned, Dan Savage, Cassidy, and a couple others. So we're going to put links to all of those in our show notes that will be on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And while you're there, you can contact us if you have any feedback or want to be on our show, you can also find us at our Casty and Twitter profiles under the screen name NNM Podcast. And don't forget, there's one more episode of our three-episode uh, triple header launch extravaganza. Uh, we interview another couple who has a podcast, and they are much heavier into the poly side of things, and it's a really fascinating conversation we had with them. So you're going to want to listen to that, and we will see you guys there. Bye, everyone.